You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel Sanangelo and Trey Harris. Hey, pizza! Great. What are you doing here? Oh, uh, these are my songs. I've been trying to get them to you for the longest time. Hey, it's real friend on them, one fan. Oh, wow, he remembered my name. This is the big time, girly. That's why it's 80s Revisited. The big time. Number three in our request month, Rock and Roll High School. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Trey Harris. With me, as always, is our producer, Jesse Ramon. Jesse Ramon. One of the long-lost Ramon member, last surviving one of the original lineup, now producing podcasts. I went so. <laughs> uh, you can't eat pizza, Joey. Eat this mush. I'm going to feed you. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. Okay, episode... <laughs> episode 94... A third of our request month. This one was requested by an old, old friend of mine from high school, Jude Rodriguez, and listener of the podcast. Uh, this was requested a while back, and I was like, yeah, man, we'll definitely do it. We'll have a request month or something. This was like a year ago. So <laughs> I hope you're still listening, Jude. But, uh, yeah, and this – now, here's the – here's the uh, mentioned last week at the end of the episode, kind of a technicality. This film was released August 27th, 1979. Now, this was a Roger Corman film, so it played at maybe three theaters – in the United States, and then was never seen again until video on 1983 when Rock and Roll High School came out on VHS and became a cult classic, thanks to the magic of a video cassette recorder. Mm-hmm. So, and also, I mean, this film also, they, they're, they're heavily talking about how the 80s are going to be so great and all this, so it does fit. But it, I understand people are like, oh, uh, 80s are visiting, they're doing a 79 movie, what the fuck? That's why. So, this, you, if you saw this movie, if you saw this movie in 1979, send us an email and let me know where the fuck you saw it, because you probably are a liar. I'm just <laughs> calling you out, because it didn't play much. But in the 80s, is when this movie became a huge underground cult classic, so to speak. Uh, let me see, where is it? Oh, yeah, again. Uh, IMDb gives it a 6.8, and Rotten Tomatoes, 79% critics, 75% audience, which is probably the highest numbers from any Roger Corman film ever released, period. Uh, the budget was an estimated $300,000. No information on the opening, no information on the domestic or the worldwide because nobody saw it when it played. <laughs> Perfectly honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Alan R. Cush. Uh, he also did Caddyshack 2 and some episodes of Moonlighting. And also Joe Dante, a veteran of the podcast, filled in on a couple of scenes near the end of production. Uh, most notably, of course, he directed Gremlins and also the Dennis Quaid classic Inner Space. It was written by Richard Whitley and Russ Devonch. I might have totally misspelled that when I typed my notes. Uh, and Joe McBride, and this, they did the screenplay, and the story was uh, came up with by Arkush and Joe Dante in the general story. Uh, veteran of the podcast. Well, no, she wasn't a veteran of the podcast. Uh, PJ Souls uh, was Riff Randall. Uh, most notably, she was uh, the chick from Halloween. Totally. See anything you like. Everybody remembers two great things about her. From that film, uh, Vincent Van Patten was Tom. He had a role in Baywatch and eventually Young and the Restless. And again, for two weeks in a row, Clint Howard as Yay. Eagle Bauer, most notably from The Wraith. <laughs> most notably, yes. <laughs> With Thank God he didn't have the same hairstyle. Where he played Eraserhead. Yeah. <laughs> Day Young was Kate. She was also in The Running Man, Pretty Woman, and Spaceballs. 
Uh, and Mary Wernerov was Miss Togar, the the evil quote unquote Nazi esque principal of the high school. Ben, was it Benjamin Franklin High School in this film? Whatever it was. No, uh, uh, Lombardi. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it was some famous person. <laughs> ben Franklin, Vince Lombardi. They both contributed equally to society. Uh, she was also in Warlock and the Devil, most recently The Devil's Rejects, and of course The Ramones as The Ramones. Go figure. Speaking of, they're pulling up to the theater right now in their pink Cadillac. The fans are going crazy, getting out of line. So, you know, Riff Randall waits in line for three days. This groupie cuts her off. But then she's the first person in line. Yeah, I'd like a, what you say, like a hundred tickets? The hundred yeah. best tickets? Something so everybody like else in line, like, why? They're like, just like, oh. <laughs> you know, nowadays it's like an eight ticket limit. I mean, you can't go buy a whole bunch of them. So she spends a thousand dollars and then goes to school the next day and just like, hey, you want a Ramon ticket? Like, this bitch is rich. She's just giving them out to everybody. Nobody pays her back. And the drummer <laughs> left with just drumsticks. Walking this drumsticks. Yeah. And like, I've always known what the Ramones look like. You know, yeah. I knew I know who they are. Blah blah blah. But like. Joey Ramon is a, is the definition of a beanpole. Yeah. He is like, he is a walking skeleton with a bob wig. I mean, look at that. He's like, <laughs> he's so lanky. Of course, like, you know, mod, uh, I say modernly, but you know, more recently, I mean, he's a little bit bigger, more like a Howard Stern-esque. You know, I always think of, when I think of Joey Ramon, I'll, I'll, I have to correct myself because I usually think of Howard Stern first because they look yeah, so similar yeah. with the glasses and when Howard had the big hair. Uh but the best thing about this movie is by far the fact that the Ramones are in it because they're both the worst actors of all time but also yeah. the greatest punk band of all time. So, yeah. you know, that's not taking anything away from them. I'm so glad that they're musicians and not actors. But uh, this was the the first time I've fully seen this movie. I've seen bits and pieces of it just on Up All Night or something like You know, like there were certain scenes I remembered like when they were kind of ransacking the school near the end. And all that kind of stuff. But this was the first time I sat down and watched it. And it's on Netflix if you're out there and you haven't seen it. That's where I watched uh, it. I liked it better than the last two movies. <laughs> uh, oh, honestly, yeah. the soundtrack's a huge part of that. It's nothing but great, uh, of course, mainly Ramones music. There's some other bands in there, too. Uh, but, you know, even though it, this is not a great movie, but it's no, fun. It's, it's fun. It reminds me of, <laughs> like, you know, honestly, this is what happened one day in the Bayside when Zach and all their parents were going to school. Yeah. This is like a pre-Save, parents of Save by the Bell and their issues in life <laughs> and such in this film. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, this story is, it's, it's so silly. It's been done before. Even, maybe this might actually have been one of the first movies to have that kind of plot, to be honest with you. I can't, I'm trying to think of something else that maybe what, to kill rock and roll? came out before that a movie. No, 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 I'm saying that's the plot, oh, yeah. basically. Well, you know, at a school when the, the students are rebelling and oh. all that. And I'll tell you this. I did not think this movie was sort of had a little bit of naked gun kind of aspect to it, like with far-fetched humor with the lab rats. Uh, yeah. Where the, like the rat shows up to that the concert. And yeah, it, looked, it was scary and it looked great. <laughs> and it, he's just like, oh, sorry, we had too many rats explode in there. And he's like, oh, you got your protection? He has to hear yeah. It's like, you know, stuff like that was, you know, it's so crazy like and I like when movies throw something in there like that that's just totally ridiculous mm -hmm. I do it earlier in the film like she shows the picture this was a mouse before it listens to rock and roll right this is the next one it shows it in a leather jacket like hey <laughs> it's like it's it's already moved out of its house and it's playing its music too loud and yeah 
And then, of course, rats are being vaporized. Excuse me, mice. They're not rats. Yeah, yeah. Are being vaporized by the evils of rock and roll. And I, I like the music teacher who was like, yes, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. I was like, oh, this is going to typical, like, oh, this is garbage. Yeah. But he's like the one, like, that, oh, it's, this is, I love the Ramones. The Ramones. <laughs> there were some really funny, funny, funny moments in this movie that I really enjoyed. But again, it's a Roger Corman movie. It's shot with a video camera. I mean, like a, a, a cheap video camera. Yeah, that's you one know, of my big problems with it. It's there. There are parts where it's just hard to watch sometimes because of the cinematography and you know even watching it on Netflix in you know higher resolution, so to speak, it still like looks like shit. Yeah, I mean, I even had to measure my screen to make sure it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't being square. stretched or anything. No, or it compressed. looks like a square. Yeah, <laughs> like I was like, is this even? <laughs> no, that's your four by three. But you know, technical problems aside. I, I enjoyed watching this movie. Uh, it to me the only thing this movie's lacking is maybe a little bit of tightening up, so to speak, in some of the humor. Like some, it's really kind of slow, mm-hmm. slow gag, slow falls, that kind of stuff. Uh, but it really reminded me of like a uh, a pre Say by the Bell, Say by the Bell, you know, because mm. you got even though the principal's not a cool part. I mean. Say what you about Mr. Belding. He was a good principal. When he yeah. hugged Zach at the end of that series, man, that was I felt that <laughs> he was Mr. Belding was a good guy. Remember the episode where like his brother, his brother seemed totally cool, going to take everybody whitewater rafting the school trip. I thought he, uh, he was a he was a, oh man, this, I, I think his name was Jeff for some reason. I'm, I might be wrong. He's like, yeah, we're going to take you whitewater rafting. And he's like, oh sorry, Richie, I got this hot stewardess. We're going to go catch a flight to Paris. And he's like, you can't leave these kids behind. <laughs> and of course he does. And everybody's disappointed. But then his bro- Mr. Belding steps up and takes the kids whitewater rafting, which should have been an episode right. of them on the river and, you know, kids <laughs> dying. and All and, the antics. Yeah. <laughs> which is a shame it wasn't. Good way to get rid of some characters. Yeah. We don't need this screech guy Thin anymore. Thin out the herd. <laughs> yeah. Tori, get out of here. You're going to drown, Tori. But yeah, you know, like, uh, it was just, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, this scene we're watching now where she's singing Rock and Roll High School was probably the worst part of the movie. I... I just couldn't stand her singing. PJ Soul is pretty to look at, but I mean, listen, that's for like five minutes. Yeah, her version of the song is longer than the Ramones version, because well, also every Ramones song is like two minutes and fifteen seconds long. But in fact, uh, I remember when I got their greatest hits. It was one of the first CDs I ever got. It was the Ramones, all this stuff and more, Volume Two, because I couldn't find Volume One. Hmm. You know, CDs have. Back, uh, what, 90 minutes of music? Is that am I correct? In rem- rem- am I remembering correctly? Roughly about 90 minutes or something like that of music? 72. 72. The Ramones' greatest hit CDs, there's two volumes. Each one has over 30 songs on it. Because mm. all their songs are like two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny. Wow. And uh, one of the things, I never got to see the Ramones live. Um, my friend Jason Orso did. I think they were opening for Nine Inch Nails or something. Oh, Wow. It was, it, it was before... Some, no, ac, no, excuse me. I think it was actually Pearl Jam. I think they opened for Pearl Jam way back in the day. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go. I would have given my left nut to go. Uh, I don't remember why I didn't, but anyway. They opened for... I'm pretty sure it was Pearl Jam, but he told me like their set was like 30 minutes long. And he said they didn't stop playing. He, but every, you know, they play, I want to be sedated. One, two, three, four. Do another and then, song. And just and when I'm watching this movie, that's the first thing that came to mind because when they're playing live... Every, every, you know, they, they play a song. It's basically a music video for that song while the antics are going on with Riff and the other characters. And then immediately, one, two, three, four, <laughs> next song. And they do that like four times in this sequence. So maybe not think talkers. Of that. Yeah, thank, thank God. 
thank God, as we can see as we open the show with that, that scene where they go to their back room and like all of a sudden they're drag they're carrying Joey Ramon. Like, what happened? I don't know. He walks off stage and like, oh shit, like like scene missing here. What happened? He's like, is she okay? And you then, know what happened right in. Please let us know what happened between the five feet from the stage to the back room where they drug him in. But uh, Maybe he's known for collapsing on stage yeah. or something after shows. <laughs> he walks off stage and then collapses <laughs> out of view. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> this, uh, I don't know. This I can see why this is a cult classic. Mm-hmm. And like I, w- I would definitely have it on. I can see myself listening to it again while mm-hmm. playing a video game if I'm putting something for background noise because the soundtrack's so good. Uh, and it's again, there's there's some genuine funny parts in there. I enjoyed watching it. There, it it could have been so much better with a again a little more tightening up with the gags. Yeah, uh, some of it was really funny, but I will never ever buy Clint Howard as being the Zach Morris of a school. Yeah, being the cool guy with all the the, with the office go to and see. the bathroom. Yeah, with a secretary and all this stuff. Yeah, he should have been the dork. Time out. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like we would have some mutant power. <laughs> But uh, I, I did enjoy this film uh, enough to where, you know, it's better than... Oh, that's, there's another creepy scene where she she envisions... She gets home after getting the tickets taken away. We're listening to it right now. And she puts the Ramones on, and then they start appearing. You know, first of all, Joey appears. Like, okay, yeah. You know, singing the song. But then the other members start appearing randomly in yeah. her room <laughs> as she gets more and more undressed. Yeah. You know, it's it's silly, but it's... It's just kind of creepy. It gets creepy. They're, they end up with her naked with a towel all in her bathroom. <laughs> and, you know, nothing elicits going on. They're, they're just singing. Yeah, they're just doing you know? their thing. It reminded me of Grease, but, like, a better you know better song selection. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in close, like, this is one I definitely... It's on Netflix. It's worth a watch, especially if you like the Ramones. You're going to get nothing but some good music, and you get a few really, really funny, funny, entertaining moments. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, that's another weird-ass scene. Oh, where she's dancing with where the she's dancing with the music teacher and she starts stripping him like <laughs> ripping his clothes off and he he has a Ramones t-shirt on excuse me a Ramones t-shirt Ramones. on under it you know but it's just like it's just weird she's <laughs> like stripping them they're dancing partying together and, you know the Ramones are a huge punk band you know instrumental going back to the early days of CBGB as being mm. the punk band you know the uh they're arguably, I want to say, the most successful punk band. But, you know, they're a lot of imitators. They inspired a lot of people. But I don't think Riff Reynolds a real fan because, you know, she doesn't wear a leather jacket. She's really crush. nice. She's wearing, you know, span- she must do aerobics every day because she's got the spandex, all these bright colors. I just don't buy it that she's a real fan of punk music. Yeah. But that's a nitpick. That's just being kind of silly. Maybe they're trying to say, you know, anybody could be a fan of punk music. Well, the punk crowd has always been the most finicky. Like, excuse me. <laughs> like, I've never been a member of the punk crowd. I never had a mo. Sure. You know, I didn't. I wouldn't say that I was. You know, by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, they ran my old guitar teacher uh, back when I was in uh, in junior high into high school was telling me like, yeah, like he always tell me stories because of you know the older acts and whatever. When he te- yeah, you want to play the Ramones here? It's like this. There's three chords. Like, oh, cool. I can play a Ramon song. Uh, but anyway. The mouse. Yeah, uh, or the mic. My yeah. kids are in there. <laughs> I was expecting her to explode when they come outside and start playing. Yeah, you know, but the awesome. mom mouse didn't. Uh, but anyway, you just tell me how, like, a lot of punk bands, if a punk band makes it, the crowd usually doesn't like it. Like, the 
they don't like him anymore because that's against the punk ethos right to you know become popular and get a record out it's more about just play your songs for someone else to hear and blah 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 so I don't know how true that is that's just what I heard so but uh, <laughs> supposedly real punk fans don't like it when bands are in movies or making money with their amazing songs that are really good so are you a real punk fan listener let us know oh, probably not because fuck these fucking <laughs> podcasts fuck them they're not real. We're yeah. not making any money, so you should love us. Just saying. The stripping scenes. Yeah, I mean, look, she's. Like, I mean, this is a student my ripping. And oh, speaking of the shower scene, I was, mm-hmm. at first I didn't see the girls, so I was like, oh, oh yeah. this is. Oh, you didn't see. It? Yeah, and then like, oh, there are girls, and there's like. I was looking for the girls because this thing's rated like what PG. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, but anyway, but for those I, who I haven't seen it, there's safe. this. They're in like a a. Uh, you know, a typical scene in a in a high school shower room, like a Nightmare on Elm Street 2 or any of those, you know, typical things. And it's full of soap. You know, I mean, uh, the bubbles, like a foam party at a rave or whatever. And then, like, you see all the dudes, but then, okay, again, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, it just seemed weird that they're showing this in this film that the dudes are having a foam party in the bathroom. But there are girls in there. Yeah. So it made it less weird. But there are just a couple of things in this movie. Just, again, it, it's, a, it's an absurd movie, but... Overall, it's it's it. You know, looking back on it, I had a good time watching it. So, but just don't. I mean, it's no it's no Say by the Bell. No, you know, cert, certain episodes of Say by the Bell, but it's got a. Aside from the Zack Attack episode, it's got a much better soundtrack. What well, and yeah, I thought it was all about good times, but here they are torturing people <laughs> like, inside the school. Oh yeah, there's very like uh, gagged and blindfolded yeah, bound, and bound, <laughs> pelting them with food. I mean, that's that's uh, ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, and we don't even know if these, they make it out alive before yeah, they blow they, up the school. They don't. Yeah, and, and definitely is a film that you wouldn't see anything like it today, especially yeah. with the, the fact that you know the, certain things you would like a food fight or something like that. Sure, made yeah. this, but you know, in the end, like they literally blow up the school. <laughs> yeah. That's not something that you will ever see. Oh, excuse me, I would be surprised if you ever saw it. Oh, here's where they kill the two kids in the thing, but they miraculously survive. See, they're yeah. in two human beings are in there and they try to kill them. But uh yeah, it's 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 fun. Give it it's on again, it's on Netflix. Give it a watch. If anything, you know, put it on while you're cleaning house or something. That's the shot I've always remembered from this film. Oh really? Yeah, with the thing I've seen that like on montages of different things. Hmm. Which is where it shows the deaths flying out. But it's cool. And uh PJ Souls, although she her character's annoying, she's cute. You know, there's some eye candy here. And I'll I'll never understand why she is obsessed with Joey Ramone. Granted, the dude's a great singer. A punk singer, I should say. But she's in love with this dude. Yeah, and they should and, not be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just For not... the damage the, to the school. I mean, they, they're blowing God. up a public building. Yeah, I mean, That's even terrorism. before that, I mean, jeez. It's like, yes, we're fans of music. Let's destroy everything. <laughs> it's like, I'll see where the two connect. <laughs> But that's why it's just a lighthearted movie. That I know. Yeah, but anyway, definitely check it out. <laughs> but uh, this film was originally released, on, like I mentioned, 1983, which is why it counts, because it was not until the 80s that people actually saw this to where it became a cult classic uh, today. Now, originally, uh, Todd Rundgren was supposed to be star as the musical act, which I've never even heard of this dude. But uh, him and the uh, Corman and everybody couldn't reach an agreement. So next time, uh, the next on the li- next band on the list was Cheap Trick. Same thing; they couldn't get it, get them to work. 
but then they kept trying to find, figure out, uh, to get a band for the film, and they actually considered Van Halen, but uh, Warner Brothers, who were kind of putting up some of the money, said, oh, no, they're too raucous and they're too bad for the, you know, they're too, they're too much of a bad band mm. uh, for this film. They didn't want them. Well, then finally, somebody named out the Ramones, and Arkush, the director, excuse me, being a huge fan, decided, well, hell, why the hell not? So that's how the Ramones actually got into the film. And to this day, Todd Rundgren, whoever that dude was, regrets not being in the film. Well, it probably wouldn't have been a cult classic if you were in it, because nobody knows who you are. Well, I'm sure somebody does. Let me phrase that. I don't. Uh, and this is, I thought, that, again, this is a Roger Corman film. If you don't know who Roger Corman, Corman is, it's... He makes the cheapest movies. Like it's like it's like a grade above trauma, except yeah. you're not meant to be exploitive in a sense. But uh, he also, you know, most notably he did the the failed Fantastic Four movie, which you can might be able to find on YouTube or certain torrents, uh, <laughs> which is one of the most comically bad movies. And I use comically as a double entendre movies out there. Uh, but the Ramones were only paid twenty five thousand dollars for appearing in this film. Again, nineteen seventy nine slash eighty money. So that's a lot of money uh, back then. Uh, and they had to play shows in Southern California to help pay their hotel bills, despite being paid that much what? on top. There was a 21-day shoot, and over the course of that, Dee Dee Ramon got arrested for fighting with a roadie. He overdosed in jail and wound up in Cedar sinai Hospital with a $3,000 medical bill. Hmm. That's them Ramones! <laughs> Ramones! Uh, let's see. Uh, PJ Souls had never heard of the Ramones before being cast in the movie. Uh, she was giving their music to listen to, but uh, admit she never kind of really liked it. But it wasn't until they were actually shooting the movie and they got to hang out that she kind of, yeah, I guess I got like your music it. because I guess we're friends now and I'm supposed to love you. Uh, That's what my character would do. And of course, Dee Ramon, the same one that you know I just mentioned, was overdosed in jail, fought a roadie, had to go to the hospital. Uh, everybody, and again, this is a Roger Corman film. So if somebody considers you bad on a Roger Corman film, that's mm. like the lowest of the low. Right. This guy that's behind Sharktopus and stuff. <laughs> and they, uh, <laughs> and pretty much everybody agreed that he was such a bad actor that his lines were cut down from five to two. And his two lines, of course, are, Hey, pizza! <laughs> Which we heard at the beginning of the podcast. And that's all you hear from him because he's so bad. But his original lines, all of his original lines were, Hey, pizza, it's great. Let's dig in. But he was so bad. Wow. They had to cut, It's great. Let's dig in. From the movie. I mean, it's not great writing either, but... But <laughs> if you can't deliver that line with some sort of... I mean, to be so bad... Right. I'm just saying. They should have just improved it. Yeah. <laughs> it probably would have like, been Like, here's a lot some better. pizza. What would you say? <laughs> and we mentioned Joe Dante kind of shot some scenes. It was based on the last day of shooting. It was a 21-day shoot again. Uh, Arkush, the director, was hospitalized for exhaustion. So Dante stepped in and shot the remaining scenes, which were the scene in the gym where she sings her version of Rock and Roll High School, the most Good annoying God. scene in the movie. And uh, there was one other scene. Where was it? Uh, the long take in the bathroom and the scene involving the telephone booth, which I don't remember a telephone booth, but that's the one. <laughs> and uh, PJ Souls actually purchased mo- had to purchase most of her wardrobe herself for this film. Because, again, Roger Corman, low budget. Right. And she only got paid $2,100 to be in this movie. Wow. Again, that's still 1979 when That's still a... a Pretty good payday for a month worth of work in 1979. Yeah. Uh, she ended up with basically only making $300 after spending all that money on her wardrobe for this film. Which, I don't understand where that went because she wears like a towel, two different jackets, and like two different pairs <laughs> of pants. So, she probably could have gone to a Walmart equivalent at this time and saved a lot of money. But, uh... 
Oh, and a, an interesting story, apparently, is that when she went to get that red satin jacket she wears for, like, one scene in the film, uh, it was $300. That, that's why she's broke, because she spent $300 on one jacket. But uh, when she went to the store, Rod Stewart was in the store, too, trying to buy the same jacket, but she ended up with it. Hmm. So Rod Stewart was trying to buy women's clothes. <laughs> Not saying it's for him, but he, he got outbid in the store or something like that. Anyway. Jeez. Uh, I'd give this, again... I didn't. I enjoyed it, but it's not like you know. I'm not going to go get the Blu-ray because it's a cult classic, you know, or anything yeah. like that. But I did enjoy this movie. I'd give it a six. Uh, again, it succeeds mainly for a few real jokes that are just really funny to me. That you know, the rat thing again was, or excuse me, the mouse thing. I keep. I'm sorry for all you mice out there listening. I keep calling you rats. <laughs> but uh, to me, that was just so out of out of what you expected to happen to have humanoid mice in this movie. <laughs> But uh, and then of course again the music you know if there's a bad movie with some good music that helps it, yeah the music stands out here because obvious but um, like you said with the jokes two ends of the spectrum on that yeah big hits big misses yeah uh, very uneven. it's nothing visual to look at here um, the four by three really annoys me but of course mm-hmm. a lot of films are shot like that way. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a huge fan i made it through but uh yeah. it was the music that kept me there um there's nothing to look at so a lot of times i was looking away from the screen <laughs> yeah just listening I and mean, i was on my yeah. phone a lot watching as i was watching like looking up stuff i was and... cleaning up this office so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah i would say it's about six for me too yeah so but if, again if you haven't seen it it's on netflix i'd recommend watching it once to see what the, you know again it's a cult movie there's a reason it's a cult movie and i can see that uh, it's just seeing it now for the first time. It's like in a similar way to how you know Daniel was with a lot of these movies that we watched on here, to where we really liked them, we grew up with them, and they were cult. We we, under, we knew why they were cult movies because we loved them, and then he watches them and like eh, whatever. Yeah, uh, which is understandable, especially you know this is a good example uh, to relate to myself. You know this this is a cult classic film, and I can see that, but you know it's not going to be in my cult classic collection. But I like, you know, I liked it and I respect it for what it is. So many scratches on the film too, throughout the whole thing. Um, you see it at the end. We just saw it again on this little part we're watching. I mean, just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Lots of little artifacts everywhere. And granted, it was a different time, but I'm sure that falls into the hands of the crew yeah. that was there. Mm-hmm. Oops! I dropped the oh, roll. We dropped it. Uh, <laughs> it's just fine. It's fine. We can't reshoot it anyway. You can see it <laughs> again. This released August twenty seventh, nineteen seventy nine. In the real world, uh, not much happened on the exact date, but uh, 17 days earlier, Michael Jackson, God Rest His Soul, released his breakthrough album, Off the Wall, which went on to sell 7 million copies, making it a 7 times platinum album in the United States. And thus the birth of the King of Pop as a solo act, of course. Yeah. So that kind of dates it, obviously. Uh, we'll give you an example of the time frame. And then uh, back to the future real quick. Uh, we'd be remiss... On an 80s podcast, not to mention uh, one of the recent films that came out, being uh, such a fan of the 80s and the action movies that it bequeathed to all fans of true action. And, of course, I'm referring to The Expendables 3, which came out. By the time you listen to this, it's probably out of theaters anyway. Uh, but uh, mm. I think we mentioned the other two on here when they came out. So, like I said, we need to just really talk about the third one. Uh, to me, it was better than the second one. Uh, it's you know, And, of course, this one added uh, Snipes and uh, Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. And Banderas was in. Of course, he's not an '80s action star, neither necessarily a Snipes. He kind of, he was kind of, he was kind of in the '90s when he kind of came out. 
as an action star. But nevertheless, he was great in it. Uh, now he's got his tax problem settled, and he yeah. can make movies again. Still waiting on a Blade 4, make up for that terrible part 3. Mm. Uh, but he's yeah. back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Expendables 3, if, if you like the first two, you'll love this one. Uh, to me, they this one had the best banter between the characters, as opposed to the, the, uh, the second one. Uh, the action was definitely, to me, skimped out on in this one. Uh, honestly, because a lot of dudes. Yeah, I mean, you're adding. You know, when you add to the budget, Mel Gibson, Harrison Ford, Kelsey Grammer, plus mm-hmm. all the other returning characters, Banderas and Snipes, and the returning characters. I mean, whatever the budget was for this movie, I'm sure 90 percent of it was probably to pay these salaries. Because mm. not a, not a, you know, with this many people, they're uh, Stallone might have done it for free because he probably gets producer credit and uh, you know probably gets a percentage of it or something. But right, Income. the uh, that's my only. It's a it's still great. It's just the um, the action scenes seemed a little more tamer. And of course, this is PG thirteen, much like the second one, which really I don't think that's what hurt the action. I just think they just for the budget they just couldn't film or do too much with the talent they had. Maybe they did it all in the back end. Probably. Could have been. But uh, if you like the first two, definitely check it out. It's cool. Uh, Lundgren's great in this one as well. I think he's kind of the underrated one of them as far as uh, his character goes, at least. Because in the first one where they made him like a traitor and all that and they bring him back. But uh, Hmm. they all have... You can tell by this one, since they've done two of these movies together already, that they have that relationship, that friend relationship, and that carries through to the screen. Especially with, of course, Statham and Stallone. But uh, definitely worth seeing. I wouldn't say it's worth a buy, but if you've seen the first, you definitely need to see this one just to kind of finish out the trilogy. As Sylvester Stallone can write. Yeah. He writes a lot. Much more than I thought he did. Mm -hmm. He's an Oscar winner. Yeah. Not for acting. (laughs) No. (laughs) It was Rocky, wasn't it? The screenplay? Oh, the one he won an Oscar for. Um, Oh, he's nominated. nominated. My bad. But still, for Rocky. Yeah, I mean, that's... Oh, and for acting, too. I did not know that until just now. Wow. Yeah, that's Stallone. Still. Yeah, but he's definitely multi-talented. Uh, as far as... Uh, you know, he's. I'm not saying he's Clint Eastwood. Right, you know, right. But, I mean, but he does... He's, he's, he's written, he's directed a lot. Yeah, so, stuff out there. Yeah, he's not just... <laughs> Gotta give him some credit. No disrespect to Schwarzenegger, he's not just in front of the camera. Right. You know, and that's... He he knows the biz. He knows the business. And I saw in an interview with aspects. him. He talks about his writing a lot. Yeah, it's part of it that he enjoys. Yep. And that's why I looked it up. I was like, wow, he wrote a lot of stuff. I think he wrote every Rocky. Yeah, he's the only credited one. Yep. Kind of jumped the shark near the end there, except not the last one. The <laughs> Rocky Five, like, so he writes all the Expendables too. A friend of mine, you know, Perry, we talked about on the show. Like, he loves Rocky yeah. Five. Like, I can't stand Rocky Five. The one with Tommy Gunn. Tommy the Machine Gun. Oh. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just, I never like Rocky Five. Some people like that's their favorite one. I'm like, it's better than one or four? No way. Wow. But uh, that's not what we're talking about here today. But yeah, Spinnable 3, check it out. Uh, don't check it out if you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy yet or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. See those before, but definitely check out the Spinnable 3. As we talked about last week. Yep. And the week In depth at the end. Because today technically is September 11th. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What better way than to watch The Expendables and there say, you fuck you to terrorists. There you go. Both foreign and domestic. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Speaking of in the... Well, that's not in the real world. What? I guess Back to the Future would be 
Did you read that story about that kid that uh, had domestic terrorism charges? Oh, for uh, I saw like somebody posted something on Facebook. I didn't read it or click it or anything. But yeah, something... it's some kid in Louisiana, actually. Um, it's called swatting, where you know how these people are on Twitch and streaming their games and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Well, a lot of them have the cameras facing them while they play. Apparently, this one guy's really good at it. And this other kid that watched his, watches him online was in the same room as him getting owned in the game, Battlefield 4. <laughs> and so the kid calls the police in his area. He tracks down where he is, finds out where he is. He calls the police in his area and says, I'm going to kill everybody in this house, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they send the SWAT over there. They bust in the door. They shoot his father. Not, they don't oh, kill him, but they thank shoot Thank God. Him. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, they end up shooting his father. The guy's father, and then you see it on the stream that you know they bust in, and you know the stream footage is online. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, I gotta see that. Yeah, I gotta see that too. I haven't <laughs> clicked on it yet, but I was just reading the story. That is crazy, and, and that uh, kid deserves yeah so all sorts kid, of punishment. So he got two counts of uh, domestic terrorism, which puts him in jail for twenty five to life. Wow, how old was he? Did you say like, fifteen? Okay, I don't agree with that long <laughs> for a fifteen. I mean, everybody does stupid stuff at fifteen. Yeah, that seems a little pretty, excessive, but I mean, he but, I mean, should... calling the SWAT team, I mean, yeah, something needs to happen. I don't know about... There he needs doesn't... to be a chance to reduce it, yeah. possibly, but I mean, because, I mean, yeah, people are stupid up until about 30. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he definitely deserves something, but not... He doesn't deserve to lose 25 years of his life to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you better cry, bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's better. Actually... <laughs> I'm sure the dad's like, you better keep him in jail because when he gets out, (laughs) he's going to wish he was dead. Yeah. That is so crazy. We'll watch this afterwards. Okay. (laughs) It's only a minute. Well, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) uh, Next month, the final request. We're going to be returning to a place that you all know of, but you probably, honestly, most people probably never went back to because of this film until recently. And they did another one in the series. And that series, of course, is Oz. The horrific prison drama from HBO. No, of course not. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. As we return to Oz next month on our final request for this viewer, going listener to the request. <laughs> on the West Coast. I was going to try to do like a Snoop Dogg <laughs> rhyme, but I couldn't think of anything fast enough I was to tie start into it. that California song from the OC. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, check us out then for them to see what we think of that horror classic. And yes, it's a fucking scary ass movie. Uh, but don't forget, email at gmail.com, awesome pods at Facebook. Uh, Twitter and the internet, other pod, other pod, other other shows on the Awesome Podcast Network, Geekly Dose, Duo Tag, Just Safely Podcast. Why don't you know this? Product City Report. Check them all out. A lot of episodes up there, and of course, old episodes of Eighties Revisited. And until mm. next time, we'll see you on episode ninety-five of Eighties Revisited. I'm Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! Don't swat. This show and more on Facebook.com slash AwesomePods. And follow us on Twitter at AwesomePods.